The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Car Cast after USC's. Uh, I don't know what the final score is. Uh, we are recording before the game is over. It's currently 48, 42 to 18. It feels like 48. It yeah. might be 48 at some point, but yeah. it's uh, 42 to 18. USC is losing to the Utah Utes. Uh, the Utes about to get their first win ever uh, in the history of the Coliseum over USC. Yeah, 1916 was the last time they beat USC in Los Angeles. And yeah. the Coliseum was not built at, in 1916. Uh, the last three times uh, USC has played at home, Alicia, all three have been losses. All three, SC has trailed by 20-something points going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. All three, was uh, there were winning streaks snapped. SC had never lost to Stanford at home in the Clay Helton era. Really, really real long streak there. Yeah. Uh, and then they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, SC had never lost to Oregon State uh, at the Coliseum. So, well, not since 1960. Yep. Uh, and they lost there. Yep. And here tonight, um, they have not lost in Los Angeles to Utah in over 100 years. Since well, before the Coliseum existed. They're still two minutes and 28 seconds away from that being the case, so enjoy these next two minutes of our lives, Michael. Yeah, at this sure point, will. At this point, should we just be grateful that Colorado has still never beaten USC and that that streak will live for another year? Is, is that just, you know, the, the silver lining here? I mean, look at the bright side. At least SC did not play an FCS team. Yes, uh, USC did not play an FCS team, and USC did not put names on the back of their jerseys. And don't lose to Colorado. Those and are have the three not pillars. Lost to Colorado. The, the three pillars <laughs> of USC which, football. Upon uh, which this program is built. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, empty nameplates, uh, beating Colorado, and uh, never losing to an FCS team. And never, well, and, never beating an FCS team either. But Yeah, but never, never playing is, is more yeah. important there. Uh, but, you know, like Penn State put the nameplates on the back of their jerseys to honor the players who stuck around after their sanctions and stuff. Right. A good reason to do it. Yeah. 
Well, Notre Dame does it for bowl games to recognize the players for going to a bowl. Am I am I overreacting to say that n- that uh, when USC suits up against Notre Dame or for the rest of the season, uh, Drake London can have a nameplate, and no one else on this football team for the rest of history is allowed to ever have a nameplate because they have not earned it in this first month first month of the season. <sighs> Yeah, I, it's. Um, I mean, I, I mean, can say. we? We need to have this conversation because we 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 saw as close to a team giving up in 2018, and even that team when they lost at home and when they get the five and seven record. You can make an argument they should have they, beaten ASU. They weren't. Getting, they should have beaten Cal. They should have beaten UCLA. Should, they, could have beaten um, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. So, like, even through the end of that season, even when the wheels had fallen off, it it never quite felt to me. It just felt like that team was very flawed. It didn't feel like they were giving up. But after three straight, the last three home games that USC has played, this is in the Coliseum, the hollowed ground of the Coliseum, they have been blown out. Not just like they lost a game handily. They have been utterly and completely embarrassed. Stanford embarrassed USC. Oregon State embarrassed USC. Utah is in the process of utterly embarrassing this team. And at a certain point, you know, we can talk about the coaching staff. We can talk about the failures of the program across the board. But at a certain point, like, the players are not turning up and... and expressing themselves on the football field the way that they that they need to like I don't care how bad your coaching is you shouldn't be losing to this Utah team 42 to 18 at the Coliseum well I, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and start blaming the players for things so I, well like, we've blamed the coaches we've blamed well, yes, the, everything else so no, like the, the way I see it this is this is just rock bottom I mean we we know um, we see it in our Twitter mentions. We see it in the calls to the rant line. Um, people have given up on the season. Um, let's just, I, there's not really much to believe in, in, in the season at this point, uh, anymore. Uh, this is USC's third conference loss. Uh, there's no way they're going to win the Pac-12 South at this point. Even if they win out, they need plenty of help. Uh, there is, and let's be honest, there's no way they're going to win out. Um, there, there's no, there's nothing left. There's nothing redeeming about the season, outside of watching Drake London make plays. Yeah. So, uh, like, I, what, what, what am I gonna do here? Sit here and like belittle the players for giving up? Like, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle the oh, players. Down pass to, uh, um, Malcolm so Epps. Epps. Yeah. There you go. Congratulations, Malcolm Epps. Well deserved. Uh, I don't want to belittle the players, but the players, the, the performance is, I mean, can throw out that line, attitude reflects leadership or something. Like, I'll go back to, it's just, it feels like the attitude of this team is all wrong. And say all you want about Clay Hilton and the terrible situations that USC ended up in on, on football fields under Clay Hilton, but what he was able to accomplish in 2015 as an interim head coach 
what Ed Orgeron was able to accomplish in in uh, twenty thirteen as a as an interim head coach. Um, even even twenty eighteen when everything was falling apart and it looked like Clay Hilton was going to be fired, his team still went out and battled Notre Dame at the end of that season and gave him a game. And well, he just missed a hell of a catch, Malcolm Epps on the two point conversion. It's only 16 well, points okay. now. So, only 16. So, and this is my frustration, right? Just two possessions. This is my frustration, is that we're sitting there watching this game, and USC was down, well, after the two-point conversion, the first one, how, how far? 17. They were down 17. And I'm sitting there going, like, theoretically on paper, USC has the playmakers to erase this deficit in the 10 minutes or whatever that was left in the in the fourth quarter. They and get the onside kick here. That kind of... You, you know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, just because we decided to record early. Uh, that kind of didn't... I mean, USC had some bad luck with the pass interference that extended at a Utah drive that I still have not seen what the call was. All I saw on that call was OPI. But, like, you can't even complain about that because USC's defense has been just destroyed by a bad Utah offense, by the way. This is not a good Utah offense. This is not a Utah offense that puts up 42 points on folks. This is a Utah offense that struggles to to score 20. There's a reason in my right. game prediction I went 21 to, what did I go? I went 21 to 17 or something like well, that. Well, that, that's the crazy part is you look at these losses. I think Oregon State is good, but I think that even though Oregon State is good, SC has too much talent to lose to Oregon State like that. Yeah. Um, I think Stanford is better than we thought they were, but also they're, they're not good enough to beat USC to beat, to the, the way that, that way. they did. Yeah. This Utah team, I'm not impressed with Utah at all. Um, and yet they're just thoroughly dismantling SC um, in like in a horrific way. Like this is a, a they're doing to SC what like Notre Dame has done to SC, what Alabama's done to SC, what the good teams have done to, yes, to USC, which right. which again is not acceptable. But at least you look at it and go like those are nationally ranked. Those are right. Those are teams that are actually contenders for something. And and that's not what this Utah team is. So it, it's just very frustrating to watch to, to watch a team that has so much talent. I mean, Malcolm Epps is talented. I mean, we haven't even we've gotten 10 minutes in this episode. and We haven't been able to sing Drake London's praises fully yet. Drake London, as of speaking, has 16 catches, 162 yards and a touchdown. He's single-handedly, you know, providing entertainment value for this team. He is stunningly good, and he proves it week after week. But a stunningly good receiver like that is being wasted by USC because they can barely put points up on the board. Yeah. Drake London has 16 catches for 162 yards. Um, At one point, he had 16 catches, and SC still had 10 points. Yeah. Which is, it's just not acceptable. It's it's not acceptable. And, and it's not a, a case of the offense is, is force-feeding London and to its own detriment. Like, USC could have targeted London and had him get 25 catches, and it would have been better than the offense that, we, that we've generally seen this whole day. Um, I mean, the, the offensive line played very poorly early in the game. Uh, just the defense has no answers. The thing that frustrates me about this defense, watching this defense, is in the preview, I talked about how the game plan for playing Oregon, the way that you, the, the playing USC, the way that Utah would beat USC, look at what Oregon State did and mirror that. 
And what's very frustrating is that Utah didn't even have to mirror that because they torched USC through the air. You should not get torched by Cameron Rising. When I in the preview I talked about how like you want to force Cameron Rising to beat you. Well, USC they didn't even force Cameron Rising to beat them because it's not like they were great stopping the run. Utah was able to establish their their the outside running very early and easily move the ball against USC early. And then they opened it up in the passing game. And just everything that they did had success. USC gives up a, a touchdown on the last play of the, of the first half on what is essentially a Hail Mary situation where the safety bites on a, on a, a play action. It's a Hail Mary situation. They're only going to throw that ball. What are, you, like, what are you biting on the run? It doesn't matter if they get a five-yard run. The clock's going to run out. And then, and then later on, one of the death nail touchdowns that Utah scores is the same, literally the same play that everyone, Stanford scored a touchdown this way, Oregon State scored a touchdown this way, and I don't remember if other teams have, but definitely it was the third time this season where it's the uh, play action roll to the wide open fullback or tight end streaking along the towards the, the, the left end of the end zone with Isaiah Polamau trailing behind by five yards carbon copy of that in three different games so you haven't fixed a single thing you haven't fixed a single thing on offense you haven't fixed a single thing on defense and now you have a final score of 42 to 26 and that looks way better than it was we can all agree 42 to 26 is not a reflection of this game oh, yeah, this game looks was real 40- good doesn't it looks real good 42 to 26 yeah and it, and it looks better than it was because the real score of this game was like 42 to 10, realistically. And it's the same story as Oregon State and Stanford. They literally haven't changed a thing. Not a single thing. So it, 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 it feels very much like this team is just, they've either given up or they're out of ideas or they're wasting whatever chances that they have and where like I don't know where they go from here except for fulfilling my desire of of getting Drake London the Blitnikoff and I wanted to start a Drake London for Heisman campaign tonight and I think he put in certainly a performance that would do it but Drake London doesn't even have a chance to win the Heisman because USC is going to be not nationally renowned enough for that to even be a, a, a reality so Drake London's going to lead the the nation in receiving and receiving yards, and maybe he'll get the Bolitnikoff, and he'll be on the All-American wall, and that's literally the best I can hope for from this season, which is a lost season. It doesn't matter. You Again, it, like, I shouldn't care, but they're forcing me to care with how embarrassing it's become. So I, I look at it one of two ways. One, uh, you've heard the head coach... Uh, you can't expect there to be a lot of change after that to fix all the problems. It's not like, you know, they they still have the same coordinators. They are going to run the same basic plan. All those kind of things. You can't just fix everything uh, in the middle of the season on the fly. Uh, So I get it. At at the same point, I think you can look back and, 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 or... Look at what SC is doing this season, and isn't this more likely what it's supposed to be like when you lose a head coach? 
And I look back at the times where we've seen SE have experience with this. Back in 2013, back in 2015, two teams that sort of rebounded one of them way more than the other one. The 2015 rebound, I never thought really was a rebound. Uh, they just... Which is why the hiring of Clay Hilton was so frustrated. Yes. But frustrating. Because it's not like he earned that job. Like, yeah. Cocho at least had the team rally a little he bit. Had he the had the Stanford signature win. win. Right. Yeah. He had the Stanford win. Um, beyond the Stanford win, I thought everything else was pretty much chalk. But he at least had the Stanford win, right? But I think the reality is that when you fire a head coach... It does sort of kill off the season. And what you should probably expect is for your team to implode. SC has not had that uh, the two previous times because when they've gotten rid of the head coach in the middle of the season, they sort of regrouped, relied on their talent, stripped things down to to basics, basics, and was able to get a bunch of wins that way. This team has not done that. And so... I think it's easy to compare and say, well, this seems even more of a failure. I don't know. I, I kind of think that this is what you should probably expect when you have an interim head coach um, based on how things are, right? Like, like what, what were we realistically expecting? I understand Dart comes in the Washington State game. They score the 45 points. Everyone is on a high. And I think it's really easy to sell yourself the, the dream that if Dart was the quarterback, everything would be okay, which I don't believe in a second. Um, I think they still have the same issues, but they probably still they probably lose to Utah forty-two to thirty-nine, and at least it's more fun. But they still probably yeah, lose. Maybe those games are shootouts, yeah. and maybe the shootouts are a different thing. Who knows? But it doesn't. It's not a wholesale change, right? So. I, I'm 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 in a weird well, spot where I kind of look at it and just go like, well, what else can you do except wait for change and then just sit here and enjoy the players you have? And unfortunately for USC right now, there's Drake London, and then beyond that, and it's not like there, it's not like I'm saying there's not players you you can enjoy because there are players you can enjoy, but the team as a whole is not making it easy to find those things to the little things to enjoy about anything. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe, and maybe the problem is, is the brain drain or whatever, because the 2013, I mean, it's have, we were having some conversations this Saturday about Lane Kiffin and, and Steve Sarkisian because they both have teams. They're both in charge of teams now that are in national conversations, maybe not national title conversations, but in top 25 ranking conversations. And Sark's implosion against Oklahoma was hilarious to watch, but Sark still has that like for- first quarter magic where when they look good, they look really damn good. Kiffin is is winning things with Ole Miss. I think he's still limited, but you can have the conversation about USC probably shouldn't have fired Kiffin when they did. That was an overreaction. I think Kiffin probably wins more games than Ed Orgeron does that season. Um, if he's able to stay in charge of that team, there were, you know, did he lose the locker room, anything like that? I don't know. But I mean, suffice it to say that I don't think Kiffin should have been fired. And I think Sark, Sark's situation was not a merit firing in terms of wins and losses. It was his own personal demons getting in the way. So those teams were probably better than this team to begin with in terms of the talent stocked 
um, the experience of that talent, the everything that was going on with those teams. So they were probably set up to succeed better. It's the lack of pride that's that's annoying me about this team right now. It's 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 not that I expected USC to win out. I didn't. It's not that I didn't think that there would be losses. It's that you're getting blown out at home. Three home games in a row. You're getting blown out. Like there's something wrong there mentally with this team. And it's it's just frustrating to to see. But at least USC is, I mean, at least Drake London is there. Like, Drake London is legitimately, we were having a debate on Twitter of the greatest USC wide receivers of all time. And you, I think you and I both agree, he's top five at this point. You put out a, a ranking of of your top five. Yeah, I said it's Mike Williams, one. Keyshawn Johnson, two. Marquise Lee, three. Robert Woods, four. And... I I think I have to put Drake London four. I mean five. Sorry, I I'm, I think he's ahead of Juju. He's ahead of Michael Pittman. He's a, ahead of Johnny Morton. He's ahead of Dwayne Jarrett for me. Like those guys individually, some of those guys have had you know incredible seasons in production. Absolutely, but I have a hard time in a vacuum picking anyone else over Drake London at this point. Maybe it's recency bias. I don't know. But yeah. Drake London is surely on his way to being a top five SC receiver of all time. And that's a credit to how good he is. And it's a credit to how many guys SC has had that we can even sort of have these debates. Yeah. And, and he, I don't know what it would take to have him climb up that top five at this point. Because Robert Woods production wise was just on another level. And I think Drake Lennon is hurt by not having the full season in 2020. But in terms of just like game production, individual game production, individual game moments, highlights, uh, everything about him is just fun to watch. He's, he's the redeeming quality of this entire team at this point is getting to see Drake London. And that shouldn't be the case, but he's doing it. And he's the one... I talk about this team having a mentality problem. Like Drake London is out there fighting. Like Drake London is out there trying his his hardest and and being passionate still when this game is is out of reach and it's thirty points and there's nothing more to do and he's still out there fighting for every single inch. Like I don't think Drake London is that problem. I think Drake London is absolutely pulling his weight. I just don't think anyone. I don't think the rest of the team. I don't think the defense. I don't think. Um, the coaching staff that I don't think they're pulling their weight right along with him. Um, I just, it's, it's just frustrating to watch everything. It's like, it's just this whole, the whole experience of sitting down to watch a USC game right now is, is with the exception of, of two things to three things. Uh, Ben Griffith's punting is wonderful. He had a 70-yarder tonight. How, how long was that punt officially? Uh, let's see. You, you have the stats I have in front the stats you. out in front of me, and I do not have my mouse is not working. Of course. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, let's see. He had a long of 71. Yeah, 71. He had five punts. Three of them were inside the 20, and he had a long of 71. Ben Griffiths is outstanding. Uh, Drake London is outstanding, and he doesn't get as many opportunities as I, was like, as I would like, but I very much enjoy watching Keontae Ingram run. I have said this before. 
I just, I like the way he runs. I enjoy him so, with the ball in his hands running in the open field. Like, it's it's fun to me here, to see him break the Here's a question. Free. I think there's four players that you can say, four players that you could give helmet stickers to this season. And I'm having a hard time picking beyond those four. So, London. London. Ingram. Ingram. Ben Griffiths. Ben Griffiths. And Parker Lewis. Okay. Okay. I, maybe you make an argument for Michael Trigg. I, I think it's small sample size. It's too small sample tr- size. But like uh, those four guys, I think you can you can give helmet stickers to, and if, you know you can say that if you ignore the big 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 drop, Gary Bryant Jr. a half helmet sticker. Sure, he's fine. Sure, he's I, I think fine. those other four guys have absolutely exceeded or met the high expectations. Yeah, hundred percent, and. I think in a season where you lose your head coach and you need a pick me up, I think you need more than like four guys. Well, the problem is we we there to, is to be there. There's no one on defense who you can highlight there. No, not uh, a single one. Nick Figueroa's been hurt. Yeah, Drake Jackson. I don't know. I don't. Drake Jackson is, is it the disa- scheme? I I I don't know if he's not suited. He just disappears in games. Yeah, he I, has big I, moments every once in a while. He disappears in games. Uh, the linebackers IPM are all has, mediocre. Has struggled. Uh, IPM was the corners. IPM have really and struggled two of USC supposed to be two of USC's best defenders. IPM and Steele got absolutely lit up in this yeah. game. It was bad, uh, very very bad watching them. Yeah, Figueroa's um, been hurt. Like, um, I I I don't know. I I I, I struggle. I, I struggle to pick out standout performers on this team. And like I said, I'm not going to blame the players for it. I think that it's a collective issue and certainly coaching same, is a major role here this same group of players with a more adequately skilled coaching staff might not win 10 or 11 games but they definitely win eight or nine and well, i'm not sure that this group is going to win eight or nine at this point the same group of players for the most part look significantly better last year yeah yeah so there's and what's the difference on defense Hufanga is a huge difference. Yes. hundred percent. Enormous difference. Elijah Griffin. Uh, Elijah Griffin. Does Elijah Griffin make that big of a difference in the secondary? Marlon Tupelotu. I think it's Tupelotu. I think you, yeah. you can say that not having that, you know, shotgun from USCfootball.com talks about it a lot. Not having that big body on the defensive line. And not having Peely and Tui Pelotu. Yeah, losing Peely is an underrated. Um, are two big blows. I don't. I don't know that Peely is a savior, but Peely is certainly the body that you need in right, there. Right, Softshoe's been hurt. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it just it just. But this is okay. So if you don't have those guys, then you need to change the way that you're approaching because you don't have right. those guys, and that's yeah. where Todd Orlando is failing because he's not. And fixing. it would be one thing if, if you were getting gas up the middle, but Drake London. I mean, sorry, Drake Jackson was making a bunch of plays. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I Drake Jackson just whatever they're doing. I don't just, know if it's a like I said. I don't know if it's a scheme thing or what. But yeah, uh, SC is hey, not getting Cor- the the best out of their the guys that we thought going in the season would be their best players. Corey Foreman got a sack and celebrated it like a madman, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so there's some joy for this whole thing. But there you go. I don't know. I just I uh, and I know we've talked we've talked about how. The quarterback change is not going to fix this team or anything like that, but I really, really would prefer if USC took this bye week, went into Notre Dame with Jackson Dart as the quarterback, 
Just because I'd rather watch Jackson Dart's Growing Pains than if, if Dart else. is healthy, um, go for it. Well, I think I I think there's the argument now coming into the bye week, and we've said it's not like you can fire the coordinator. It's not like you're just gonna completely wipe away the slate. But I think the bye week is the perfect time to do a complete and utter reevaluation of the entire depth chart, and you there's I'm not saying play all the kids. But there is an argument for start throwing in some guys who haven't had their opportunity yet yet and see what they can do. Right. Caleb Bullock should be starting. Um, th- there's some guys in there that just should be getting more opportunities. Yeah. And uh, at least we're going to have some live reaction here because oh. Texas A&M is going for a game-winning field goal. So the, the, the TV is behind me. It is behind And you. so I've, had, I've yeah. turned around and seen that Alabama and Texas A&M are tied 38-38. And A&M, how long is this field goal? Um, I can't see exactly where they are. Uh, it should be about a thirty-something yarder. This kicker is thick. Uh, Seth Small is his name. Twenty-eight yarder field goal attempt. Uh, this should be the first win by a former Nick Saban assistant against Nick Saban. Twenty-eight yards, yeah. Uh, right, know. right in the middle. It's right of the down field. the middle. So college right kickers. The, field. Uh, the hashtag is shouldn't be activated here. Here we go. The snap, the spot, the pick, <gasps> it oh, is good. Oh, that ho- that it, was hooking it, left. It wiffle balled. <laughs> it wiffle balled. Looked at the looked at the the upright and was like, "No, we're gonna go in anyways." That that literally it was it was yeah. heading left and then it sort of scooped back right right into the end zone. So down goes Nick Saban. Down goes Alabama. I genuinely thought that it's a hell Alabama. Of a day for college football. I genuinely thought that Alabama was going to go run the table this season. I thought they were just going to dominate everybody. A and M would have been the last um, team I would have pegged to beat them. I know because A and M looked like crap. A and M almost lost to freaking Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and Calzada, their backup quarterback, looked like a train wreck in his first three things. But it just goes to show that any team can turn around at any moment. There's your ray of hope. Uh, for this, so, for hey, this team. We, we know SC is invincible on the road. Hey, Notre Dame is a vulnerable team. They barely they beat are. Virginia Tech. I what wouldn't... are people talking about in your Notre Dame circles, uh, in your alumni groups and all that? <laughs> they got to be worried. SC does not lose on the road. Yeah. That game is in South Bend in Jackson, two weeks. Jackson Dart might be, uh, might be that spark. If Dart's healthy, who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe roll the dice. What, what, what are you thinking for your, your Irish? <laughs> not my Irish. I, I've I've pegged it from the beginning that I think that USC USC has a chance to beat Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame is vulnerable. And the problem with USC is that like we've seen on the, at home they just get their butt kicked. But on the road, SC SC seems to respond. I mean, it might help that Colorado and Washington State are not good football teams, and Notre Dame, while shaky, is still a good football team relative to uh, to where USC stands right now. But I don't know if I'm Notre Dame. I'm looking at USC responding to a dumpster fire performance. That maybe that did. Maybe this is a dangerous spot. So I don't know. It, it's possible. But um, you're sick. You're you're coughing. You look you look not great. At I the know. Moment. We've had to stop the pod multiple times so I could cough. Yeah. So we're not gonna go. We're not gonna go much longer than this. But I braved it out for this. I did promise some people the the hanger debate. So oh, did you? Yeah. All right, all right. Let's do you think you it. have enough energy? You have enough in you to? Uh, I don't know. To do I so, need? Do, do we, I need to explain the hanger debate? Do we need to save it for another pod? It's up to you. Let's just get into it. All okay. right. Here's the hanger debate. Should we? How do we set the scene? Well, you, you talk well, more since I'm struggling. Yeah, we set the scene by saying that we recently moved into a new apartment, and part of that moving process is obviously moving our closets. 
And I took all of my stuff and packed it into these big blue bags and, and took them uh, to our new apartment. You're and, adding a lot of background context to this, but okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so we moved into the apartment. You almost immediately set up your closet, so your side of the closet. But me, being the procrastinator that I am and focusing on sort of other things around the apartment, my clothes basically just stayed in the bags for a little while until a couple weeks in when I decided, no, I need to, like, hang up my clothes. But when I went to hang up my clothes, I realized that, like, we didn't have enough hangers for your stuff and my stuff collectively. So I told you... That like, oh, hey, I'm going to order some hangers on Amazon so that I, so that I can uh, hang up more clothes than, than I used to because we have more closet space uh, at this new apartment. So I'm going to order new hangers. And you look at me with a very serious exp- expression on your face and you say, no, it has to be the same hangers in the, as the, one that, the ones that are in there. Like they have to, it has to be the ones that come from Walmart. Those, those are the ones, they have to be the same. And I'm like, uh, what? Excuse yeah, me? Yeah, my crappy Walmart hangers. Yeah. yeah. No, and that was the thing. It's like, they're just cra- they're just crappy Walmart There's hangers. There's nothing special about them. But I, it, ex- excuse me, what? And 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 you then go on to explain. Do you want, do yeah, you want to no, explain? No, I can explain. Okay. Yeah. So, I think there's some things in life that when you're a, an adult and you are buying for th- things in your house... You can now make the decisions on what gets purchased. As a kid, we never had burrito-sized tortillas. Now, I can be like, no, I can get freaking burrito-sized tortillas so I don't have these little tiny tortillas all the time. I can make these decisions, right? I can make the decision that all my hangers will be the same. Because... One of the banes of the, my existence as a child was going into the closet and every single single hanger being different. You'd have the good plastic one, the crappy plastic one, the broken plastic one, the good wire one, the bad wire one, the good wood one, the bad wood one, the one with clips, the one with this, the one with that. And it was always a pain in the ass. And then when I moved out to Arizona uh, a few years ago, I got all new hangers. I just went to Wally World, just got basic crappy hangers. And it was so nice and peaceful to have all the hangers match. Not because I have OCD, which I do, but mostly because then you can just put them together and you never have to worry about what hanger is what. They're all the same. You don't have to think, oh, I, I need to get I need to go hunting for the hangers that I like. No, because they're all the same. You you take all of that thinking out of your head. So I just want all the hangers to match and be the same so you don't have to go rummaging through to find your favorite hangers. Do I care about these Walmart hangers? No. I think honestly, I'd like to buy completely new hangers that are much better than those crappy Walmart hangers. But at least they all match, and I don't have to start looking for my favorite types of hangers or this or that because they all match. See, and me, eager to put my closet together, here's you say, no, they have to be the same ones that I had before. We need to go to Walmart and get out. I'm like, when are we going to go to Walmart? 
We're nothing. We're not going to get these things unless we order them on Amazon because we're homebodies who don't leave the house. So if if we don't order this on Amazon, then I'm never going to get the hangers and my stuff is never going to get hung up. I am sympathetic to the idea of being frustrated by having too many different types of hangers. Growing up, my my dad, my mom used to get my dad's shirts like uh, dry cleaned. And so we'd have like the dry cleaner hangers that are just the wire with the little paper cover thing. And we'd have like those mixed in with random random clip ones and random uh, plastic ones and the whole shebang. Like, I get that. But it never bothered me necessarily to have different kinds of hangers. So that just stunned me to a to a degree. And I told you that, uh, okay, fine, you're going out today to go get me these dang hangers. And then I didn't want to leave. And then you conceded because of my hangers because that takes energy. So, so we're getting married and I'm told that the key to any good relationship, uh, as I drop my phone, is uh, the key to any good relationship is compromise. So the compromise that we came to was for me to order my own hangers on Amazon and those will be my I got the ones that you have from Walmart are white so I got a set of ones that are black so those will be my hangers and your hangers are all the white ones and that way your hangers are all the same uniformity and my hangers are all the same uniformity and then uh we'll we can both live happily ever after with you having your OCD and me with having my hangers sure and that's the hanger debate yeah I just want it to be known that, like, you're the crazy one in this scenario and not me. I don't me. think I'm the crazy one. I think you're the crazy one in this no, scenario. If you listen this far, let us know. Who do you stand with on the hanger debate? Which is the hang- The hanger debate is not about the hangers. The hanger debate is which one of us is the crazy one in this debate. It's not me. It's it's definitely it's you. It's not me. Yeah, it's you. All right. Uh, let's get around with this episode. Anywho, prediction I for mean, F1 uh, before, before we go. Who's going to win? It's going to be locked in time. Tur- Turkish Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. 5 a.m. This is the real car cast, kids, where we actually talk about yeah. cars. Quali was eventful. Um, I slept through Changing it. conditions, but they were all on, on softs the entire time. There's a thread of rain. Sprinkled a little bit. Not enough to bring out the enters. Thank- thankfully for Lando. Um, that still hurts. I'm not sure Red Bull has the pace. But would I trust Botas to beat Max? No. Never would I trust that. So give me Max P1, Lewis P2 coming up from 11th after his engine penalty. And Botas and P3. I'm going to side with one of the guys, Jack, from the BBC uh, Checkered Podcast pod, who said that verbatim also. His argument, which I'm going to steal and parrot here, was that um, Mercedes will have uh, Botas and Lewis switch at the end. So that way Lewis gets P2, mm. Botas gets P3, and um, Max ends up taking the lead in the championship, but uh, Lewis still podiums after his engine penalty. See, I'm going Botas to win. Okay. Max... Who plays second and Hamilton to get a podium. If that happens, Max leaves Turkey with a one-point lead. Mm. I think Botas will do it, genuinely. All right. 
We will see. Uh, this means that Leclerc's going to win, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love a Leclerc or, or a Gasly win. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's get wacky and have Alonzo win. It's, it's October, so Gasly <laughs> winning, I think, would make sense. Uh-huh. All right. All right. See you. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.